Welcome to the Nobody Told Me That podcast. My name is Teresa Duncan, and my goal is to share information that you probably weren't thinking about. I love preparing my friends for situations that may come completely out of the blue. I also want to share with you many of the tidbits I picked up over the years. If you absolutely have to tune out before the end of the show, make sure you check out the show notes for more details and information on today's topic. And thank you so much for making me a part of your day. This episode is sponsored by Curve Dental Software. At the American Association of Dental Office Management's annual conference, I've had the pleasure of hosting two different panel discussions on behalf of Curve Dental, and they were titled, Managers, What Would You Do? I had put together a group of managers and or consultants, and they were able to answer a bunch of questions that I had for them, but also audience questions. The sessions were a hit, and next year is already being put into place. And by next year, I mean this year, 2023. I have worked with Curve for a while, and when they mentioned sponsoring the podcast, I thought, sure, why not? Let's give this a shot. I do appreciate their love of office managers and the value that we bring to the table. So check out the show notes for a link to curvedental.com slash Duncan to check out the software with a few incentives tossed in. Full disclosure, they are sponsoring the podcast episodes, but I will not receive any kickbacks for your demos or your signups. I just want to bring you information in case you are looking for a change. And Curve Dental has just been a really good thing for a lot of people that I've talked to. So I will pop back in later with more information. For now, on to the show. And we are back with another edition of Nobody Told Me That. And this time I have a packed studio. I have not just one, not two, but three dentists. I've gathered, I've managed to gather three dentists together. That's like amazing. You guys, you have no idea. So <laughs> I have Dr. Alexis here, Dr. Natasha, and Dr. Danny is with me. Hello, everyone. All collective hello. Hello. I am super excited to have you guys here. So first of all, thank you very much for joining me. The topic today is going to be how to best work with managers, all about managers. What do dentists think about managers? What do dentists want out of their managers? And it's just going to be a, a no-holds-barred conversation. And I think this is one that the audience members really need to hear because a lot of times when a new receptionist graduates to manager or when a manager is hired, there's really no expectation on what is the working relationship other than here's your job duty. So I want to talk about that, like what's the working relationship, what kind of character traits you really liked. And then, of course, we have to talk about today's staffing and how just crazy it is. So um, just real quick, let's go through very quickly and, and just hear who people are and where their office is located. And then we'll jump right in. So Dr. Alexis, where's your office and what kind of dentist are you? So I am in Winchester to Virginia. We, I have Cedar Creek Dental. Of course. And then Natasha? Um, I'm a board certified pediatric dentist. I'm also an international board certified lactation consultant. I have three practices, two in Virginia and one in Maryland. And I practice um, hospital dentistry, special care pediatric dentistry, and then I have a laser practice in Maryland, uh, treating exclusively infants and breastfeeding uh, and breast chest feeding babies. Not just a manager, you need like a team to manage you. So we Yes. <laughs> And Dr. Danny, let's go out west because you're not in Virginia. Where are you? Uh, I'm in Colorado. So I'm in Windsor, Colorado, which is about an hour north of Denver. Um, I'm a general dentist. Um, we do have a pediatric dentist here. My wife is a board certified pediatric dentist as well. Um, we did a startup right around three years ago. So um, crazy times. And yeah, we love it. And Natasha, I'm going to have so many questions clinical for you eventually because all that sounds kind of wild. But <laughs> It is wild. And she's like, I think she's got the the market pretty cornered for what she does here. So she's, she's super busy. Okay. Let's get going here. So, um, we are in different stages of our, our careers here. Um, Natasha, I believe you've been, Dr. Natasha, you've been in, in practice a little bit longer than the others. I believe they were starting up, um, in the last 10 years, I believe, uh, Dr. Alexis, oh, well, yeah, Dr. we're Danny. coming up on close to, we're almost at 14 years, 14, 15 years. I'm practicing about 15 years. So let, let's start with you and then, and then let's uh, have the uh, younger dentists chime in here. When you first started out, at what point did you say, I need a manager? Like, I can't do this by myself. What, when did you want to make that happen? 
for me. Yeah. I had started initially as a part-time associate when I started the startup, but a lot of things were happening at that time. Um, Teresa, you were actually a really big part of that startup process for me, teaching me everything I needed to know about insurance at that time. <laughs> so thank you for that. Of course. Um, I was also getting married. So I remember I was closing on all of the loan information the weekend of our wedding. So we were on business calls while we were getting ready with our wedding party. Um, to walk down the aisle. So literally wow. everything happened in three days. And the startup started right when we got back from our wedding weekend. So it all happened really quickly. And we had started marketing prior to the office opening. So when we opened, we actually already were rolling. And I was able to leave my associate position within the first, I'd say, six to eight weeks after we opened. And we started to get really busy within the first six to 12 months. And initially, I had started with one administrative uh, team member and one assistant within the first 12 months, it just really got big. And we are a multi-specialty office. So we do peds and we have an orthodontist there as well. So within the first year was when I really realized that if we were going to be growing at this rate, I was going to need someone to help me navigate and someone with experience to help me navigate that. Because coming out of residency and school. Was that a requirement then that you wanted someone with experience? I think after learning the basics about insurance from you. And during our conversations, I realized how important it was that if we were going to start, have a startup to set the framework up right from a mm -hmm. billing perspective, because I didn't want to start by making mistakes and learning from those mistakes. I mean, we always learn from our mistakes, but I think starting the framework correctly at that point in time was the most important thing to me. And so I wanted to make sure that someone had experience, but had the right kind of experience. Okay. So that was a business need you identified pretty early on. So let's cross one mountain range over to where Dr. Alexis is. Uh, you're good. You guys are only like an hour away from each other. That's pretty cool. So uh, Dr. Alexis, tell me about your journey in realizing you needed a manager. So I'll be coming up on your eight September, having done my startup and, you know, I've been practice a little bit before I decided to do that. Uh, a little bit of a late bloomer, I guess, but, uh, I mean, it was pretty quick. I mean, we kind of hit the ground running. I mean, I started with a DA and an admin person, which I was fortunate enough to do, and quit the associate position. And I mean, we needed a hygienist like right away. I had in pretty quick because it was costing me money versus um, being in my own practice. And I would say doing all of the admin duties and trying to see patients and stuff. I was like, we got to do this, you know, giving my patients everything that they deserve for me when I'm distracted by this admins pretty soon. So I would say like at least like the first year, year and a half that I'm like, we got to do something. So that's when we started kind of looking for that. And did you want someone experienced or were you willing to grow along with them? I kind of was fortunate to have like, the admin person I had and the assistant came with me from the practice I was working at. And the admin person had been in dentistry quite some time. So she, so I kind of, when I did my startup, I knew a lot of things, or at least I thought she did, but she wasn't management material. I, I still, to this day, I'm not a numbers girl. I don't, you know, if you ask me what my um, break even is, I don't know. <laughs> if you ask me anything about insurance, I really don't know much about it. I never had to. <laughs> um, I've just surrounded myself with very capable people <laughs> and good consultants and good accountants and everything to kind of all checks and balances to make sure. So, you know, I already didn't have that on my plate, but I knew that I needed capable people to do it. All right. Sounds good. And then going all the way out to Colorado, Dr. Danny, tell us about your journey. Yeah, I think my office manager is still outside the door, so I hope uh, she doesn't hear everything necessarily. No, I, uh, <laughs> mine, mine was interesting. I, uh, so since I was in the army, the army is always set up like top down. So they always have managers of every group. And so I knew it was something that I always wanted, but the army also sets you up to make sure that you know how to lead as well. So that's kind of how, when I did my startup, maybe not the smartest way, but I wanted to understand everything before I handed it off. And so we started with one assistant, one front office, and that front office had some experience, but not a lot. So like you know, kind of different than Dr. Alexis, like I learned how to call insurances. I knew how to put that in like read OBs, right? Re like rebuttals, like all of that stuff. And then it's mm -hmm. kind of like the, the E-Myth Revisited book, like, all right, you learn all this, then you pass off something to the next person. It's hard for office managers, I feel like to come into that because if you come from an office where you do everything, 
kind of my thing I always told them is when you can do it better than I can, take it, absolutely take it away from me. And that kind of gets into micromanagement conversation, right? Like at what point do you just let the reins go and let the cards fall where they will? So that's something we're working on right now. So my office manager started seven months ago in more of a treatment coordinator role to see how she would do. And she's been amazing. But as I see her take things off my plate, I just, even if it's not the same way I would do it, I have to let it go. Cause like, um, Dr. Natasha said, if I wanted to grow to the point I want to get, I can't do everything. So I don't know if that answers your question around about way, but I wanted to understand it all before I handed it off or I could never figure out if it was being done to the quality that it could. There's this manager, um, managing both your practice and your wife's practice is it the same practice same practice so okay so the two of you have to really like yeah, the manager and get along with and the so, manager right okay it also took a turn so i so 3 years in at about a year and a half with how fast we were growing i knew i needed help and we hired someone with that maybe being the intent and she was here for a short time and then took a job with the corporate office for a significant raise before we could ever approach that. And at that time I lost two assistants and a hygienist. And so that was all on me at that time. So I really needed an office manager that time and I had no one. So that was kind of the breaking point where I just needed to find someone new. So we, we took our time and hired more for personality and fit and figured we could teach the rest of it. Well, let's stay with you just for a second, since you brought it up the whole delegation issue. So it is hard to give a job to somebody else and trust that they're going to do it. Did you micromanage or did you do more of a trust, but verify type situation or were other team members bringing that up to you to say, Hey, this is not quite working out. What was your style when it came to making sure the baton was passed on? Yeah, that's always fun. I love that word micromanagement. Um, (laughs) I always tell people you only have to worry about me micromanaging you if if you're not doing your job, Um, which I know people love to hear that, but Um, I think where my current office manager really took off is building that trust. And so it was more of, it may not be done the way that you want it, but it's still going to be done well. And so you have to eventually kind of let go. And I think you have to be okay with mistakes. And I still struggle with that. Like if I see something a mistake on the schedule three and a half weeks from now, like I really want to fix it, but I'm going to just let it ride and let the chips kind of fall where they will. Um, Mm -hmm. I think for me, it took small steps to get to the bigger things, right? So I will give you full control over the schedule. Let's see how you do with that. All right, now I'm going to give you full control over hiring and then onboarding. And it was kind of incremental instead of all at once. Because what I didn't want to have happen is that I give it up completely and it just crashes and I, I couldn't handle that kind of stress. So that's why we did it incrementally. All right. So let's go over to Dr. Natasha. You're, were you micromanaging? I wanted to say one thing really quick, if that's okay, that Dr. Alexis, one uh, comment that you made was so important that I think for any new dentist listening, I think that it's a little bit of info that you put out there that a lot of people don't learn in school is when you put on so much stress and put all of those administrative duties on yourself, it is the quickest way to burnout you will ever experience. So realizing that as early as, you know, I think collectively we have in the first year is the biggest, the biggest win that you can have in practice ownership, I think, because you can't manage everything yourself. Um, I think having your hand in everything is really important. I, um, Teresa, you knowing me, like know that my number one concern has always been, even before I had my own practice was embezzlement. Yes, so, yes. <laughs> um, my, the, the, the way that I have managed the practice is that I have, instead of creating one position to manage everything, I want that responsibility to be delegated amongst a group of people because then you can have accountability. So essentially I don't have a corporate office, but I run the practice as though there is a department and in that department, each of them have to be a team and hold one another accountable. So in my office in Virginia, we have about 30 team members, but there are five busy bees that we call in our, in our beehive and our administrative team with three billing specialists, one hospital coordinator, one orthodontic coordinator and such. And when one is out or if one is not feeling well and wants to work remotely, they each have to contact one another and communicate. So if anyone has to pull out or be on vacation, we schedule that amongst each other. 
and they collectively will meet and they have to communicate with me to let me know what that plan is. So if anything falls off um, or if a task isn't completed, I'm aware of it by the end of the day, but collectively as a group, they are responsible. So it doesn't fall all on one person as it would have initially when I did only have one person managing everything. Because if someone wants to take a vacation for two weeks, and let's just say if I didn't know how to submit claims or how to adjust the ledger or how to do how to take a payment, that would be a very overwhelming and daunting feeling. So I think it's really important for owners in particular to understand the mechanics of how billing happens, because without that understanding um, and people knowing that steps are and checks and balances are involved to make sure that those types of errors won't occur or that they can Mm -hmm. occur, but you can correct them immediately by checking your, you know, end of days and, you know, daily going over things with your group. That was the type of leadership model that I came to realize I needed, Um, especially having multiple locations and having a really insane schedule, you know, going to, to different places. Well, and I remember one thing early that you had done was you had made a, a habit of letting them know that you were checking on things and not to the point where you were, you know, hey, I'm going to be watching you kind of thing. But they saw that you ran reports. They saw that you were looking at numbers. And I think, you know, t- to your point, the it's hard to embezzle when you have a doctor that's actively watching on things. And I know that that was uh, born from that fr- that fear that you had. And it's a real fear. Yeah, I think it's a healthy fear I right? Think for so. everyone that they should potentially have. I think so, for sure. So Dr. Alexis, yeah. any thoughts on, on micromanaging or is that your style? I mean, what do you think? Oh, if it's being done correctly or not, I can't always jump in there. You know, just kind of like little things like I'll just jump in and like, but I'll teach somebody if I see a mistake, I'll, I'll teach you. I won't just like see what happens. Like I'll teach you. And I definitely have learned that like my way of doing things isn't the only way. And you're going to get people that make your team amazing that are going to do things a hundred percent different than you do, but with the same result. When I started, like, you know, I, I learned at courses and whatnot that embezzlement is a problem. It's like three out of five dentists are getting embezzled on at some point. Um, and I was like, that is not going to happen to me. I'm going to put all these checks in place. So it doesn't. So like, I like how Natasha said she had the team. And so we kind of have the same thing. Like I have an outsourced company that does the billing because we just don't have time. It's actually less expensive to have them do it than to pay somebody full time. I learned, um, I have somebody that works with them and does accounts, but then, you know, she's kind of like from the other practice and she's had a ton of experience, but like she knows a ton about accounts and, and she came with me too, but she's not management material. And so my manager doesn't check in on it and say, hey, are you doing this? I see you didn't do this this week. And she can make sure that that person's delegating the time to get it done. And then I also have the outsource people that can kind of come in and say, you know, and my consultant is also got her little finger in the pot too and says, hey, what's going on with this? Are you keeping up with this? This number is getting big. So there's a lot of working parts in there. It would be very difficult for somebody or the whole group of them to get together and like find a way to embezzle like that way with checks and balances. And then, you know, once in a while, a doctor just has to kind of go in and like say, hey, I noticed this, like what's going on with this? Just so that it's always in the back of their mind that you are checking things and you do look at things even as much as hands off and everybody knows I don't do numbers. And but like they know I'm looking at things or I have people telling me, let's look at this. But the one thing I did want to say about management too, for sure, is that you know, when I first tried to hire, you get these people coming in that they've kind of just like been in dentistry a long time. They've been an assistant. They've worked up front. They've been a treatment coordinator. And they're like, oh, well, shit, I know so much about dentistry in the office. I've been doing it so long. I'm going to apply for a management position. Yeah, that's great. You know dentistry and you know the practice, but they're not necessarily management material. And that's, I kind of got burned on that. I like hired two. I was like, okay, let's figure out, you know, this one's gonna be front desk manager. This one's gonna be actual office manager. Neither one of them had the right personality or traits to be a leader and a manager, even though they knew all that. So that, you know, hire your managers. Yours are so good. Like, how did you figure that out? And then I started talking to, you know, some of my specialists or my oral surgeons are really good models for me. They, um, I asked them, I'm like, how, how did you end? Um, what they said is, you know, they always prefer to promote from within, you know, and that's huge because you have somebody you already know is a good person. And, you know, anybody we hire, we always have them do the disc profile. And then you can tell by some traits on there, are they management material or are they not? 
And that's a huge, that's been a huge life. Now she actually has been with me since she was 18 because it's usually not wrong. Um, and so what I ended up doing with the current manager I have seen at the other practice started as my assistant. And then she came with me as my assistant to this practice as a startup. And then, you know, all assistants want to go to hygiene school. Well, you know, she didn't get in. I'm like, that's the best thing ever could have happened to you. I was like, what about this? I was like, what if you go to school for business and marketing and we figure this out? And so she graduated in December and she has grown so much and has really evolved into an amazing manager. And there's stuff that she learned in her business schooling that, you know, I don't know, that's been really effective management techniques and things. And my oral surgeons, they don't have anybody in management that does not have some type of business degree or anything else. And I think that's really important because like, yeah, like I said, you get these people that they've been in dentistry 20 years, they think they should be a manager. Well, no. And they want the same money as somebody with a business degree that actually knows how to run a business. And it's, it's, that's so important. I can't stress that enough to like make sure they have the personality trait to actually be a manager. So I can, I can tell you that even, um, cause I'm way older than you all, but I, when I was uh, a manager, I went to get my graduate degree in healthcare management and my boss supported me the whole time. And even like my family was like, doesn't he know that you're probably going to leave him? But his reasoning was whatever you learn is going to help my practice. And 100% that's exactly what happened. So like all these business concepts, marketing concepts, organizational management, conflict resolution, like everything that there's no way I could have gone to a dental show and learned anything like what I actually learned in school. So, um, and then of course I didn't leave him for a very long time. So he definitely got, got the best of all that. I think you're absolutely right, Dr. Alexa. So if you've got a, uh, somebody that you can kind of bring up and give them business training and CE is so important. Natasha, I know you spent a ton of money on CE for your team. You don't hold back on that. And I think that is a very big differentiator to attract people, but also to keep people. But I would really love to dive into um, something that you have all said. You've all said um, not management material. You, you've said that, you know, been burned and all of that. So let's talk about the warts and let's, let's head on over to Dr. Danny on the side here. You're on, you're on my far side here. Um, let's go over there and, and let's talk about what is it that you, what trait did you see that you were like, this is just not going to happen? It like, or what was a behavior? I mean, if I'm listening to this podcast, I'm wanting to know, well, what, how did that person screw up? Like, what am I, maybe that's happening in my office. So let's spill it. So I think when you just talk about leadership in general, right? Like if you're going to be an office manager or any lead in a department, you have to be a leader. And the things that always come back to, no matter what department you're in, ego is a big one. So like, I remember somewhere in the army, someone told me leaders, the first thing they have to let go is their ego. Like you always are the first one to apologize, whether you're right or wrong, like you're the one that's supposed to know better. So you have to figure that out. And so I think that previous leaders I've had, no matter which department it is, like if you immediately get defensive, that person's never going to listen to you. So you have to check your ego aside and listen to the entire conversation before you do any type of management of any kind. I also think accepting constructive criticism is something that as doctors, we're not always good at. And as an office manager, again, going back to that ego thing, like if someone can't tell you like, hey, I didn't like how you talked about that. Like, I don't like how this is going. Like, you can't be the only one that's right. You have to be able to accept construct criticism. And then the final one for me really was follow through. And that's where previous um, managers, and no matter what department it is, I've struggled with. Like, if we're going to put you in a position of leadership, of management, I really only want to have to tell you once or not at all. Like, if you are good enough that you can see something that I'm going to need to do, which is what my office manager does now, like, She'll do things before I even ask her like that will separate you from your peers faster than almost anything else. Because if I have to figure out that it needs to be done and then I have to tell you multiple times, I'm just going to do it myself. And that is that is the hardest part when you talk about like that micromanagement thing for, for dentists that try not to micromanage. If you make us tell you multiple times, we're just going to do it. And so the, those three things are. There's a lot that's distilled down into a very small thing, but those three things are super important to me and allow me the confidence to give away a lot of the things that I was doing. 
Well, I think what you said is going to resonate with a lot of people because I was picturing had a bunch of faces they came through when you were talking, you know, of situations and even myself. I mean, I, I was nervous moving forward with solutions at my office until like exactly what you said. My boss was like, you just, can you just do it? Like you obviously, I'm going to say yes, it's a good idea. Just do it. And then I just took, took it and ran with it. But it is scary for a manager because uh, there's a, there's a thought that, man, if I mess this up, like the practice is going to burn to the ground and I'm going to lose my job. And there's just just fear, you know, that goes along with that. So um, Dr. Natasha, how, how has it gone for you? Have you had some clunkers? Have you, what do you, what do you hear? Like what, when you hear something, is there a phrase that you're just like, no, 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 that's not going to fly. You mean from an employee or a team member? A manager, like somebody who's really not kind of got the manager vibe going. I think the biggest thing that I realized in the last couple of years is just communication and reliability is the most important thing for me. I have a really big issue if I am bringing something to the table as the owner and kind of um, the overall, you know, uh, top of the umbrella here, you know what I mean? if I bring something to the table and it's like dismissed immediately. So um, to go back to like the schedule, for instance, I had been wanting for a very long time to change my schedule after I had kids and after the practice had gotten established. And I remember years and years and years ago, it had been something that I had casually been bringing up at some of our meetings. And almost immediately, uh, I was interested in feedback because if I change the hours, it changes hours for everybody that works with us. So I was trying to keep that in mind. But almost immediately, as opposed to entertaining the idea together and looking at the schedule and understanding uh, the community need in our area, if it was feasible, almost immediately was like, oh, you know, I just, I don't know if we can do this, you know, and, and it wasn't even a discussion. And when it, immediately comes to that, that's a flag for me because it means that we're not able to communicate freely and find a solution. That's also relevant when you're asking for certain tasks to be done and you're either given excuses or a way that it can be done better. I think that the minute that starts, that tells you that there might be like a little bit, it's it's almost like a, a little bit of disrespect in the sense that you're being undermined. And I think that the most important thing for me is that what I bring to the table should be heard and we should communicate and we should come to a mutual conclusion where everyone from the practice generally benefits. Uh, once I realized yeah. that, and again, that was years ago, I was able to implement the changes as I had wanted to do that. And the team members, as they saw the changes starting to get you know, into effect and really work for us as a whole. I mean, I think that 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 communication really started to evolve and we've all started to work a lot better together. Communication and reliability and an openness and open-mindedness, those are the big key factors for me. And like that immediate dismissal or indifference, I think that that really gets under my skin. You know, what's interesting is, you know, when I when I'm in classes, um, when I'm giving classes, sometimes at the end, people will come up and ask questions. And I can always tell when there's that weird dynamic going on where the, the doctor is wanting to ask questions, they have good questions. And the manager's like, yeah, that's not going to work. That's not going to work. And there's an eye roll. There's, you know, just kind of, they're not even listening. Maybe they're talking to somebody else or they're texting. I want to shake the dentist right then and there and just say, this one's not going to work. Like if you're thinking of cutting this person loose, you should probably do that now or get yourselves to therapy like ASAP. So it's, it's really important that you doctors, um, newer doctors out there really understand that it is your practice. It's your risk. It's your license on the line and everything. And if you're not getting that, at least that modicum of respect from your employees, you deserve that and you should have, you should have that. So I'm, I'm glad that that's come up. And, and I, I, I feel like that's something managers, you know, just to give you that, that point, my point of view on that is I think sometimes managers handle so much. We feel like we're taking care of everything. We kind of mama bear things. And so it becomes more of this, oh, you know, she'll never get this done. I better take care of it for, for her. And it's this kind of mama bear thing. And sometimes it can lead to disrespect. I mean, if you're thinking about it and you're kind of protecting the practice that I get, but sometimes it leads to more of a, wow, the doctor's really helpless without me. And it becomes more of a, they really need me more than I need them. And that power dynamic, really, it's obvious to people who aren't in it. That's the unfortunate part. You, you guys wouldn't necessarily see it unless someone kind of clued you in and, and that we saw it on the other side. So um, Dr. Alexis, 
I'm so detail oriented and I like things done a specific way and I want it correct. I'm things have to be correct. I think that's such a good point, uh, Teresa. That that's when it gets dangerous. I can see it. I it's so obvious. Yeah, I mean, I it's so obvious, and I I really maybe I should maybe I mean I'm at the end of my career. I don't care. Maybe I should just start saying it like, hey, you need to get rid of that one. She's she's a clunker. So, <laughs> um, so Dr. Alexis, with with you and the um, I mean, you brought this up in the beginning. So I heard I think I heard it coming out of you first, the management material. So what what was your big um, takeaway when you saw that? Uh, what, what trait was it that you were flagging? So I think. You know, going back to like where you're saying that you can see at these conferences where these behavior and it's their practice, you know, whatever OMs are not respecting their doctor, that's the doctor's fault for allowing that. They want to change or do or their goals, the OM, it's the OM's job to like read the team and see is this feasible or what it's going to take to explore it and then come back and say, hey, you know, these team members, you know, they need to do this. Like they work for the doctor. They can't just dismiss it right away. It's their job to get extra hour. We can't start closing it for or vice versa. You know, everybody's getting home too late. They need to spend more time. They all have little kids. They, you know, we got to fix something or we're going to lose people because they are valuing this and we have to make changes for that. And we actually recently just did that. You know, I don't have kids. I don't give a shit. But, you know, I have a lot of employees with, you know, little kids that they go to bed at seven o'clock. I don't, you know, I don't understand that, but I'm empathetic to it. So I'm like, yeah. And so she did the all explore thing and like her and the my head hygienist came with like a chart and like how we can still be just as productive and everybody get home earlier. And as long as everybody didn't mind losing like a little bit of like an hour and a half or two hours a week, like, and everybody has been so happy since we've done that. And we're still, we're more productive, believe it or not, because the employees are happier. You know, it's that kind of trait to kind of um, be able to be trustworthy to the team and also to the doctor and take both sides. And, and that being said, initially, you know, cause she, my, my mom's young. And when she first started school, she's still learning a lot of these things. Um, it was hard, a little hard for her for a little while to get out of the mindset that she was still an employee. She would come to me with them mm-hmm. and then she started to evolve where she would be, have this management and so she she would kind of almost side with the employees a little bit on issues when she practiced more in mind. And now she's got that dead to rights. But there was also a time period when she was evolving when that where, you know, because I'm 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 very approachable if you talk to me, but you know, a lot of people don't want to come talk to me. They're afraid of me for some reason. And so like she has a very approachable personality, but nothing phases her either. Like you know, things can go crazy and she's still smiling and happy and like lets it go, which is why she's the right personality trait. Like you never see the stress. But there was a time where the team didn't want to talk to her with issues or approach her either as she was evolving to the role. But now she's just got it pretty well mastered that she is approachable, but she also has the right verbiage and training and mindset to keep the practice in mind and say the right things to get the employees to kind of understand. But we have a lot of meetings, team meetings, and she we do she does one on one sit downs every quarter with everybody to see where they're at. And there's there's a lot of communication happening, and that's really really important. And every time we have like we just had a two hour meeting yesterday, we have one every month, and you know we go around and everybody gets to speak, and we um you bring a problem, you bring a solution, um but it's positive things too. And- Just popping in here to highlight how a flexible and robust software can help both a manager and owner dentist to successfully lead an office. Making decisions means you need information and statistics when you want them. Sharing this information is how leadership teams make important strategic decisions. If you're like many other offices dealing with staffing shortages, Curve can help. Because it's cloud-based, anyone on your team can access the software from anywhere. This means that you can hire non-clinical staff regardless of where they live, whether it's a hybrid work environment, or if they work 100% remotely. As a manager, you need software with a learning curve that won't scare off a new employee. We all know what I'm talking about. Curve software is so easy to use, your team members are going to pick it up quickly regardless of how much dental experience they have. 
And to keep an eye on the practice's health, Curve enables you to have remote access to all patient data so you can handle curveballs no matter where you are. I'm talking about the patient that calls over the weekend or the unexpected early morning appointment. Because Curve is an all-in-one software, you no longer have to pay for expensive add-ons or risk data syncing issues. To monitor practice health more robustly and consistently, you'll want a software that can save clicks and centralize your info. Dashboards are great for this. Specifically, Curve is great for this. Check out curvedental.com slash Duncan for a demo and pricing that is specific for Nobody Told Me That listeners. Again, I don't receive anything for these um, for these clicks or for these demos. I just want to make sure that you get the best information out there so you can make good decisions. Again, that's curvedental.com forward slash Duncan. And now back to the show. Let me ask a tactical question then, um, since you all have mentioned communication. So um, meeting cadence, how many do you have and how do you communicate? Is it Slack? Is it through group text, WhatsApp? I mean, is there, t- tell me like how, how do you communicate with your team? Um, Alexis, go ahead. Meetings, like we like send email, but meetings are in person. Like we don't okay. do not no Zoom meetings. or anything like that. Okay. Unless somebody... Um, is on vacation, they can zoom in or, you know, I have one team member that leaves at two and if her childcare can't be fixed, she'll zoom on the way home. She has a 45 minute drive, um, to finish the meeting. But yeah, usually everybody is once present. a month, a meeting twice a month. So we do, we have morning huddles. We have, um, monthly meetings are two hours and every quarter we have a whole afternoon meeting. Okay. okay. Natasha. Okay. I think like the, our management styles, a lot. So we have, um, we do every Friday, all of the managers. So the, um, our office manager from Maryland, uh, gets on a call, uh, with, uh, the, what the two from Virginia and, um, about five years ago, I also decided to hire a house manager who could help me manage my schedule at the house with my kids and my family as well. So all of them get on the call together every Friday and that's without me. And they go through the schedule two to four weeks ahead of time. And then after that meeting and they've agreed on what the following week's schedule is, they send a group text uh, letting us know what the plan is for the next week. So I know where I'm supposed to be and where everyone else is going to be as well as any appointments and any of you know my kids' appointments or my personal appointments or anything I need. So that happens every Friday. Every two weeks we send um, a group uh, production collections email to um, our finance uh, side with each of the managers from each individual practice. Um, and then my husband who helps with some of the numbers and um, who does a lot of our, our monthly meetings with our CPAs, he and I usually speak every evening, you know, after the kids have gone to bed to just kind of go over the day and see how things have gone. I position myself in our admin office so that way if anything happens immediately that morning when I'm there, I can communicate directly with each because I'm sitting with the five admin team members. Um, And then they collectively meet every day during lunch and then we have one group huddle every Wednesday. So it sounds kind of chaotic, but it's actually the same thing every week and uh, it's worked really well for us. And then I need to go back to Alexis. Is it text, group text, Slack? Um, what's your main method of communication? Then I want to hear it from, um, you, Dr. Natasha too. Dr. Alexis, is it group text or Slack? Communication. We have like, I only have one practice, so it's within the office. We have email or we'll. Any walkie talkies in the office or headsets or anything like that? No, I bought those. Eaglesoft has the messenger throughout the office. That's pretty much how we do it. Sounds like group text, Dr. Natasha. With the managers, mm-hmm. they text. Okay. Uh, we have in-person daily huddles at mm-hmm. lunch, but one entire group huddle that involves all the doctors on Wednesdays. Our ortho doctor, uh, our orthodontist meets with the ortho team uh, on Tuesdays. Um, everyone has a set schedule. So we meet via group text to actually get the schedule out. Um, and then we also uh, communicate on the same email chain every week. Okay. Um, and that's, yeah, we tried, you know, what is it? Microsoft, is it Microsoft Teams? There's or Teams like and that? Slack. Yeah. 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 We tried it, but it just, it was like a little, it was just too much. And so I guess everyone kind of always keeps either the phone or has their office email on their phone. Um, or, you know, we're sitting at, 
at the desk anyway. So that seemed to work the best for us. I deleted that. You got to loop Vivian in on uh, on these calls. Yeah. Vivian is the support dog. So cute. Uh, you have to check out her social media. We do have earpieces too. So that's how they communicate between the front and the back. That's right. You do. Okay. And that, that that's pretty much like just people are used to that and it's, it's the way it is. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We keep one at the front desk too. So that way um, if it's ortho and then both of the clinical managers, they communicate mm-hmm. to each other to kind of make sure that the flow is going well. And if anything's up or if we need anything directly, they'll just uh, call to someone in the front and that person in the front will come in the back. Okay. All right. Dr. Danny meeting cadence and how the heck do you talk to your team? I'll answer that question. I wanted to go back quickly because you had asked about um, a few questions for office managers and they both hit on something super important, but they didn't like, I keep it super simple in my office. Uh, Dr. Alexis said solutions, not problems. And Natasha said it in more words than that. Um, That's just a note for your office managers. Don't just glance past an idea. Don't just tell us that there's a problem. Like identify the problem and find us a solution. That's how, again, you'll separate yourself. So solutions, not problems. As simple as it is, most people don't think about that. So I'll answer your question now. Um, We do uh, morning huddles every day, weekly meetings on Wednesday for an hour. And then we do quarterly, we call them leadership meetings. Um, So it's um, there's three doctors here, myself, my wife, and our associate, and then our office manager to kind of discuss goals because we're a smaller office, like Dr. Alexis was saying, we communicate usually what we need to do at the morning huddle or throughout the day, like our group text, because we have that one or two people that don't have an iPhone, it drives me crazy. So we, uh, we don't really do. We don't really do group text. I'm sorry if you're an Android. but give me I'm, that, that, I'm the Android. Oh, okay. I I'm tired of those orange, bu- or not orange, the green bubble. Is that why she... That's probably why she kept talking about yeah, there WhatsApp. There you go. Right. Oh, you guys don't do WhatsApp on <laughs> no. Mac? Is that what that is? We have to. Oh, you have to. Oh, I <laughs> My in-laws. I, it's optional for me. Fuzzy, fuzzy videos. <laughs> so we don't do that either, but that's- um, That's so funny. Like Alexis, we bought the earpieces like six months ago and like, I really want to use them. I keep getting a little pushback, but I'm trying to convince people it's a good idea before I tell them we're actually doing it. So I'm working on that. Oh, what a nice guy. Yeah, just tell him. I mean, I can tell him to do it, but I would rather than (laughs) want to do it first. So we'll see. (laughs) They'll get used to it, especially when they can listen in. And I think, I mean, I've just, I was that way too. I didn't want to do anything new in my office for a long time. And then when I was like, ooh, cool stuff, cool stuff. So they'll get used to it. But I want to just bring up something that is pretty um, unique to newer, younger dentists. And I know Dr. Natasha went through this and maybe you all are in the the middle of it. But when you are a small office, you really get to know your manager. Like you become to the point where you're like, like your friends, maybe you even go out with your manager to dinner or I don't know, bars and stuff like that. I mean, sure. I did happy hour with my boss for a long, long time. The thing is though, there is that level of owner employee. And is there a boundary that have you guys run into a boundary is it something you could give advice on? You know, has it been fine for you or do you feel like there needs to be this separation of church and state kind of thing in the in the office? So whomever wants to pop in, just go ahead and start. So I'll even, I'll tell you. So there was a point where before my OM was my OM, she actually lived with us for a year. Oh, wow. Yeah, just circumstances and um it was fine. Like she did have had that level, even like before I opened the practice, like of employee her life, we did ours. There was no anything. And we've always kind of be employer and we don't like hang out, you know, we have a, you know, a lot of the same interests and stuff, but it's very friendly. We're very comfortable together. Like if I go to CE, like, you know, I've shared a bed with her before. Like it's not, we have a, really comfortable relationship, but there's always been that level of respect and employer employee. Like I'm not texting around the weekends about the office or after hours, unless there's a spelling error on social media, because it makes me crazy (laughs) and it's got to be fixed. We can't have that. I just did it today. I'm like, I'm sorry, but you got to fix this right now. I can't have it. That would be the only reason I text her after hours for sure. But I'm not sure how to explain why we have that level of that, but you do need that. Mm -hmm. Like you can't just, you know, go to happy hour and expect all, it's very easy because you work so closely to get too friendly and overshare and you really have to keep every week and because some of them will get a little too friendly 
and especially with your assistants too, like keep that boundary um, because it will come back to bite you every time. And that is something that I think a lot of dentists, when I try to warn them about that, they're like, oh gosh, but it's such a friendly office and we're so small and we're just so, and, you know, and, and I get it because it's, I remember that and it was fun and it was like, this is the best office in the world. I love the people I work with. And then one day it just sucked. So, um, so you would, you would advise, you know, if you're in this honeymoon, happy time with your team to be careful, Dr. Alexis, you would. Always. I mean, just do your wishes. They're not going to do their jobs. They're going to feel entitled to things. And that can't happen because you keep that level like you are the boss, you are the owner. And if you ever sure. let that get compromised too much, like then there's no respect. They're not going to trying to run a business and have a patient experience. And it's hard, especially if you're for younger doctors, you know, they want everybody to be happy and people pleaser and retain the staff, but that's not how you retain them. That's true. No, I like that. Dr. Natasha, any thoughts on that? I think that there are a lot of factors that come into play. I think that um, gender roles also have a lot to go, you know, so I'd be really curious, um, Dr. Danny, what you have to say, you know, being, um, you know, a male practice owner. Um, for me, you know, I think with the manager aspect, but also with the associate aspect, I, you know, I remember years ago, I had hired a, a friend of mine uh, who had gone through a career change and had become a pediatric dentist and coming straight out of residency, I think that looking back again, you know, I've made so many strides in the last 10 years. So the best piece of advice I can give is that there has to be a level of, um, I tell my team members, I tell them, you know, I don't call anybody my staff. I don't say that they work for me. I, I mean, really and truly this office, these offices, they don't run if it isn't for all of us. And so today, actually, we had our group huddle and I said, you know, we're on even loving like level uh, playing field here, right? So I can't work if you're not working to your best potential. Um, but when there is that level of comfort, or when a new doctor comes in and says, Hey, you know, oh, call me by my first name, you don't have to call me doctor. I mean, I get it that there's this whole kind of fun aspect of it. But there has to be a line drawn. Um, because again, that level of comfort comes with issues and that can get you into some serious trouble. And I think that when you're initially starting and especially in this type of climate with having issues, trying to find, you know, good team members, especially if you're just starting out and you're trying to find good team members, what I often hear from other people or newer doctors that are kind of, you know, wanting to come in and, and talk about things is, um, you feel like you're bound to people, right? And you don't feel you can find anybody else. And that's not going to be the case. So I think the most important thing is if there is a level of disrespect or if there is a level of comfort where you're starting to notice that the relationship is strained or they're talking to you in a way that they shouldn't be talking to you or um, social media is becoming an issue or patients are talking or you're coming to work every day feeling like you're losing kind of control of the situation, you have to stop that and you have to walk away from it. And I don't offer a remedial option. It's done. Like if it crosses a line, you're gone and you can be very easily replaced. I mean, that's really what it comes down to. But it took me 12 years to really understand how to get there after COVID and everything. And I mean, Teresa, you've known me a long time. I mean, the first uh, admin team member that I was working with, I felt like I really owed her. I mean, I was a really young doctor. You know, I just started my family. I felt like I owed a lot to this person, but when the comfort level got there, I had just had it. And, you know, it would have been a couple of years in and I was like, I'm sorry. And I made some big changes, but they were the best changes I could have ever have made. It's, I'm, I'm so proud of you with that, but it is something that I think um, new dentists, I mean, this is a really important lesson. If it is your practice and you have to, it doesn't run on just one team member. It does run on the dentist and the owner. And that's really the important piece. I mean, I, I didn't think that I was completely, um, I, I don't think that I'm not disposable as a manager. And I'm not saying that I would be disposed of, I would have to have done something, right? But that's the understanding that you have with a doctor, a good relationship between doctor and manager. And I, it is really hard to see dentists saying, I, don't want to let her go. I just, I'm never going to find somebody else. And, and she's done so much and I can't do that to her. And, and there's all these mental things going on. So to hear you say that it, you're right. It's incredible growth on your part because you, you weren't like that. 
It's funny, I joke, I'm just old and salty now, so take my advice because... <laughs> I, to- I told you you'd get old and salty like me one day. <laughs> you were so fresh-faced and I'm still trying to be still the same way. I'm Dr. <laughs> You got it. All right, Dr. Danny, uh, talk to us about that. The the line, does it get blurred? And oh, yeah. And Tasha wants to know how how different is it being a dude? (laughs) Uh, It's definitely interesting. But I will give both of you docs credit, too. I feel like in a field that historically had been dominated by men, like you talk about gender roles, most of the female docs I've ever worked with, my wife included, like the amount of leadership you guys do and how good you are at this part of it is very much undersold. And so I think that female staff can get intimidated by working with you because they see kind of the achievements that you have done. And I think that it's a hard balance that I honestly don't know how you guys do it. Like you guys can command respect. As soon as you walk into a room, you can be someone's best friend and still hold them to a line that I don't think a lot of male dentists are very good at. Like a lot of us kind of tippy toe through these conversations because we, to be honest, most of us are terrible talking to women, really. Like we're just, we're just really bad at it. I love it. Um, <laughs> it's so adorable. My... I'm sorry, but it's just so adorable. <laughs> Go ahead, doctor. It's, it's bad, but I have a unique side of it, I think, because my, so my mom's a longtime wow. hygienist who actually works for us now. That's another <laughs> thing we can get into, but wow. so I've heard, so I work with my mom and my wife and hearing her talk about like all these things you're asking about for many years. And she, she was a single mom. So she raised myself and my two brothers. So like that, that female side of it, I'm probably more in tune with than a lot of men. I'm still terrible talking to women, but I have a little bit better. <laughs> and so I think Knowing that I'm very empathetic, which has got me into problems. Like um, Natasha was saying early on, it only takes getting burnt by your first like one to five employees <laughs> being too friendly. And it's true. Like you, it's not that you feel like you owe them necessarily, but for us, like we value them as family. And my wife and I always tell them, like, we will tell them point blank. We know we're not supposed to be your friends. We know we're supposed to be your boss, but we're going to walk that line. And I think where we've got to now is we do balance it. We still are friendly with them. We don't really go out with them. It's not that I I wouldn't, like I would go have a beer with them, but I'm probably not going to go out with them all the time. But we are very strict on the things that we aren't willing to give an inch on and we will hold them to the line. And I think that that... There's no universal way to do this. It depends on who your team is and then what kind of doctor you are. If you are the kind that can't do that, like you got to be as far away from friendship as possible. If you're able to be friendly, but still correct someone, then you can kind of walk that balance a little bit, but there's no universal way to do it. And so my wife is kind of a, I know we're not supposed to cuss. She's kind of a hard A when it comes to. (laughs) I already broke the rule. She, uh, she will tell them like, look, these are my expectations. I'm going to be your friend, but I will call you out if you're not doing what you need to do. And she commands respect. And so if it's something that I can't do, if it's a conversation I can't have, I'm lucky to have her to be able to do that. They don't do good cop, bad cop, like mommy, daddy, like she doesn't let me do it. So I'm going to go to Dr. Danny. They don't do that. No, I mean, they don't really because they know we'll both correct them. I think there's been one person we've had to let go that like I was too close to the situation and I told my wife, it's like, you got to do it. Like I, like, it's not that I won't, but like, I can't do this one, which is a good balance to have. We're lucky to be in that situation. Mm-hmm. But we also, like Natasha said, her and her husband talk about things when they go home. We talk about our office way more than I ever wish we did. Like it's, it's constant, right? So like, I'm going to go home tonight and she's going to ask me how my day was and we're going to talk about that. So we're always on the same page and we're a united front. So if someone surprises me with a conversation from Amy, that's my wife, mm-hmm. I'm just going to assume I know what they're talking about, <laughs> even if I don't, because no one's going to like this, but someone once told me you can't let the prisoners run the prison. So like we have to be on top of it or the whole system's going to fall. So now that's a really good analogy, man. It is. It is. And you know, and if the manager, I mean, to Dr. Alexis's point, when your manager realizes they're not an inmate, not that your team is an inmate, but you know what I mean? But as part of the the upper level and they see themselves as co-managing, co even co-owning. I mean, they have ownership, right? I mean, that's what you want. You want someone to love the practice like you do. Mm-hmm. And so when they get to that level, that's that's a really great 
place to be with your office manager. But if they do see themselves as part of the team still, you know, if they're still holding back information because they don't want to upset a team member, then they haven't quite, they haven't quite reached that level. So I think it's a good analogy, but you're right. It may not hit some people the right way, but just, you know. We have to be careful who we use that on. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Let's, you know, and if you heard that and you're a manager, just try to imagine you're the, you're, you're the prison. Like, mm-hmm. you're, the prison. Like, you're like the warden, right? You're up a higher. I don't know if we're digging ourselves deeper or not. I'm not sure. All right. I knew this was going to go so fast. We're towards the end of the time, but I would love to know, is there one team meeting, CE, bonus, gift, team event that you did that you're, that was like, you were like, this is a slam dunk. My team loved this. Is Let's share like, what is the best thing you've done for your team and, or what they really, how they really reacted well to it. Maybe that'll give some inspiration um, to the managers and dentists who are listening. So whomever would like to take it. Yeah. So you mean like team building events or like, bonus stuff or something that really just made them get going. Like, and you were like, yes, we need to do this again. Like, like almost like, like your secret to leading the team. What I've learned, I mean, the way I was brought up, like, you know, there's no pat on the back for doing your job. You know, I want that (laughs) pat on the back every day. Like, oh, good job, you know, for actually doing their job. It's like, oh, the bar's gotten higher now with all the people (laughs) that you hire. Like they, and it took me a long time to learn that, like to just dish out compliments, especially in front of patients. That's a great FMX. Thank you. Or like that, Mm. like changes everything, especially when you compliment them in front of another person or the biggest thing. And, you know, it's easy. Another team member. That's huge. They want that appreciation. That's, but for me, it's very hard. But I've learned to do that. That's a huge retention thing. They just want that appreciation all the time. That's the big, and I've read books on it too. And that's the biggest thing people want is just to be appreciated more than anything else, money, anything. We do regular team building. We set goals. And if we, we hit them like quarterly, like this time, I think we're doing Google reviews again this quarter, but you know, we hit it and I did, you know, we just actually hit our last quarterly goal, which I forgot what it was. I am like, <laughs> I had some newer employees that set our meeting yesterday, how great that was to oh, fun. and did, you know, margaritas in a wreck-it room. And we had the best, like, really feel like they're part of the team now because they got to know anybody, everybody, like, in a relaxed, out-of-the-comfort-zone thing. That's a big thing to do. Dr. Alexis, can you describe, because I don't know if everybody knows what a wreck-it room is. It's amazing. So can you describe what a wreck-it room they is? They put you in this room with, like, a bunch of shit. I've been wanting to do it. But and they finally put one in Winchester. But you basically like and some golf clubs and a baseball bat and a crowbar, and you can like take a swing at some glass, um, old printers. You can go all office space on it. It's great. Wow. And then there's another one you just throw paint everywhere, which isn't as fulfilling. But that sounds really that fun, too. actually. Yeah, because where else can you do that? Wow, yeah. that's so cool. I want to come. And you can bring grandma's one. dishes if you hate them that much. Yeah, <laughs> that's great. All right, Natasha, it's only an hour away. We need to go and do that, like all of us do that. So uh, who wants to go next with uh, their their best thing they've done as a manager lead or as a leader? I think that uh, Dr. Alexis really hit it. It's like, I think just appreciation really goes a long way. We do sort of tiered. We definitely do uh, spot bonuses. We do uh, tiered sort of gifts for our um, our team. I've thrown baby showers. I've thrown um, wedding showers. I've thrown engagement parties. Um, it's so funny that you mentioned the whole prison thing because our, our orthodontist's favorite movie is Shawshank Redemption. So I threw a Shawshank Redemption themed engagement party. <laughs> and it was, it was so good. But anyways. Um, Wait, it was an engagement party? So did somebody have to wear like no, a ball and I, chain? It, I, it was so well done. Teresa, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to send you some photos. I mean, her old boss whose office she came from you know that scene when the warden is looking behind the poster I put his face on yeah. that poster it was it was like it was the best but anyways we've also uh, gotten into the habit of with our like longer term team members the ones that have been with us like for three years five years so three years when they've been with us they get a really like a beautiful Tiffany's necklace that's a smile on it um, for five years, nice. you know, they go on a, uh, we've taken some on a trip. So for uh, 10 years, uh, Tara has been with us for 10 years. Um, we took her to Ireland for a dental conference. Um, we took our entire team to Hawaii uh, when the office turned five. So that was more for, you know, it, it's, it's kind of like a tiered sort of thing. So when you've been with us for a while, I mean, we'll, mm-hmm. we'll go to the ends of the earth for you, you know, um, we went 
we go to Excellent. like the conferences and we pick these really great destinations where there are conferences. So Ireland was last November and we went with two of our team members and it was more of an anniversary type of deal, but we also went and attended classes, you know, individual things. If we've had a really rough week, I got, you know, little Lululemon uh, bags with gift cards and, and things like that and gave that to them at lunch just to say a thank you. So, I mean, we, we celebrate all of the events. We give them their holidays. We are very flexible. I think that um, I've tried to pay attention if someone's been working extra hard, you know, I'll pull them to say like today I have um, a $200 gift card for dinner for one of our ortho team members who just really hit it out of the ballpark the last three weeks. So I was going to, I wrote a really nice handwritten card. And I'm going to give that to her tomorrow. So it's very nice, even across the board, but also the bigger gifts and the bigger rewards come from the, uh, the amount of years that they've been with us. One other thing is that we're also really incentive based. I don't really run the practices based on production and numbers because of the type of, uh, you know, with associates, I don't really want them to get competitive with one another. I want everyone to kind of work like a team. So we don't base those types of bonuses on individual production numbers. But what we do do is that, you know, if we've had a really great year or something like that, collectively we'll, um, we'll award everyone, you know, so, um, we'll, we'll kind of throw it out there and, and, and do something really wonderful for everybody. So we'll throw parties or have dinner with my husband working. Um, my husband works in uh, corporate finance for Marriott. So, you know, we'll get everyone a block of hotel rooms in DC for the night or something and have a really nice dinner. So we've collectively done that for every year, but, you know, I think it's really important to show the team that they're appreciated and they know that it's not just for the doctors. It's like the better we do, the better we'll all do. And one other thing I was just going to say is yeah. for our managers as well, we also offer, you know, for a percentage of uh, collections and when you're talking about incentivized. So, you know, when we do do well collectively as the office, that serves as a bonus structure for our office managers as well. Because it becomes invested in the practice too. For sure. Yeah. And then this that ownership that yeah. we were just talking about. So Dr. Danny. I wanted yeah. Tasha to write all those down and send them to me because I'm really just new ideas here. I'll send you the transcript. <laughs> <laughs> we're earlier. So these are all like our first, I guess, Christmas party was during COVID, which was as lame as they possibly oh my could tell you what it was. It was embarrassing in my Longest employee still brings it up. I'm like, I know, I, I don't want to talk about it anymore. What was embarrassing? You did you do it by Zoom? Like what? What do you? Oh, you yeah, did even, something. It was, That's amazing. Uh, I I now I slept. Dying. <laughs> I slept at 7 p.m. that night. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, better, I guess I don't know. Maybe I shouldn't have done anything. So I would say, kind of what uh, Alexis was saying. Like for us, it's always been, you know, give your team their flowers on a daily basis, right? Like not you know, figuratively more than anything. Right. So you did a great job. Like that's a great FMX, like in front of the patient, like, Oh my God, I, I couldn't do a temporary this, this good. Like those things go such a long ways. And we say, thank you a lot. It's funny what you described, Alexis. I have a buddy from dental school who I'm telling him that I say, thank you. He's like, well, what do you say? Thank you for? I'm like, everything. It's like, so if someone hands you an instrument, you say, thank you. I'm like, yes. He's like, but that's their job. I'm like, I know. <laughs> But you need to say thank you. So like it seems it seems super simple, but I think that also establishes a level of respect in your office too, that you are you are appreciating the small things and the big things, right? So like we will do random gifts, which I have found to be more I guess exciting for people than, you know, Christmas bonus, as weird as that sounds. Like my wife did branded Stanley mugs at our last event, which was a huge hit, right? And that that is way less than what a bonus would have been, but that was something that was unexpected. So for us, the smaller events, like going to the, we went to a lake and we made a bunch of food and gave them the Stanleys. Like that was probably the biggest thing because it had nothing to do with dentistry. It was just getting to know each other. So all those things in the touch is talking about, maybe I'll get there someday. I'm not there yet, but I think for us, it's the day-to-day saying thank you, appreciating it. Like that's huge. And most dentists who are really awkward, cause that's what we're known for. Like, they're <laughs> not good at that. Like, just say, just say, thank you. Like, thank you. I appreciate you. You're the best. Like that goes a long ways. And if that doesn't work, then go have them destroy some stuff. I mean, that seems to yeah, work away <laughs> for in Dr. Office, Alexa. Right. Place. No. Yeah. Not unless your insurance is <laughs> not in your office. <laughs> Unless it's the Seric the Seric machine, you can <laughs> take funny, that. The Seric machine. We got into a hot conversation with the doctors at the office this week because 
you know how when you're talking about like awkward people and how they feel like it's a genuine thought it's I know it's about the thought that matters but I despise people that buy pizza for lunch for the team I think that gets under my skin because I'm like this is the best way to tell you thank you but I really just don't care that much about you you know what I mean that's what I tell them so I never buy pizza yeah I never buy pizza I get them like you know like we do we do it if we're gonna do it we don't just do pizza so that's the best piece of advice I'm gonna tell you do not buy pizza for lunch for your team okay no don't we have a a restaurant next door so don't tell me that i buy pizza all the time. but here's the thing like at any given time especially because our our industry is female your team most yes. of your team's going to be on a diet at any given time and so you're just blowing it yeah. <laughs> so that was uh, we always like the the worst is around the holidays and like we just nobody went on a diet because we just knew we'd be getting all the gifts and the moose crunch what is mm-hmm. that moose tracks from harry and david like they're always in there so all right we are at the end of our time um dr danny since you went last um can you just tell us how we can reach you where you are on social yeah. media um so our office is called water valley dental um i believe that's what it should be called on both facebook and instagram i think it's water valley underscore dental on instagram okay. Um, yeah, we're pretty active on there. My wife's in charge of it now. So if she's not active, you can send us a message and say, please post something. So I don't have to do it. That'd be great. You know, Dr. Danny said this would be more active. I'm disappointed. Right. (laughs) And we'll link all of these, uh, these accounts and, and how to reach them in case you have any more questions. We'll have those in the show notes. Dr. Natasha, how do they find you? Uh, my office is in Gainesville, Virginia. And I, my, uh, that, uh, our website is, uh, sport your So our, uh, office name is sporting smiles, pediatric dentistry and family orthodontics. And our, uh, Maryland office is called strong ties and it's at strong ties.co. So not com, but dot co. And on the weekend, Great. you might find me over at Dr. Alexis's crib, hanging with her. We're definitely horses, getting together. You're my new best friend. So <laughs> well, how do they find you? <laughs> How do they find you, Dr. Alexis? So I am Cedar Creek Dental in Winchester, Virginia, over the mountain. I'm, we're on Facebook. Well, maybe <laughs> Wait a oh, second. No, she's Facebook. right, though. She's right. People aren't as uptight. <laughs> she's um, right. <laughs> and uh, look, we are Cedar Creek Dental. Instagram, I believe, is at Cedar Creek Dental Winchester because there are other Cedar Creek Dentals I've learned in the country. And our website is Wink Dentist. Dot com. Wink like Winchester dentist or. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Wow. So this was fun. Thank you so much. All three of you. I know. And this is late. You guys, you don't realize, but it's late for some of us here. And um, we had to juggle some schedules and I know that that wasn't easy. So I very much appreciate the three of you coming on to do this. And I will put show notes in, in there with your links. And uh, I would say reach out to these, these wonderful dentists. If you have any further questions. I hope dentists talk to each other more about this kind of thing. And I hope that you share these kinds of um, conversations. And Dr. Danny, that one friend of yours that needs to say thank you, maybe you just send them this podcast um, (laughs) when it gets published. I love that. (laughs) All right. So thank you again. And dear listeners, you know, I, I so appreciate that you spend your time with us. We're all super busy. So thank you for making time for me today. The show notes will have any links that we referenced in this episode. You can also find links for my book and for my live events and webinar schedule. I speak often around the country on management and insurance issues. Come hang out with me in one of my classes. I promise you'll laugh and learn.